Good morning. Hello, my name, uh, my name is Matthew Olmstead, and I'm a senior at Central Gobert's, and I'm part of STEM. My parents often joke with me that I'm uh, smart academically, but maybe not so common sense-wise, so that being said, please bear with me today. Um, I have a, I've had the opportunity to go to uh, Malawi, Africa last year with the youth team, and um, it was a, a great experience. I, um, I can't really explain it, um, but I'm, a, I'm also going to um, the Delaware mission team, and I'm very excited to see um, what God has in store for that as well. Uh, in um, the youth group, I have also um, been part of uh, Creative Ministries. I was in Puppets and Clowns for um, a while, and this year I'm an ensemble blessing them with my angelic voice. Um, <laughs> I'd like to take a minute and um, thank my mom and dad for raising me in a loving Christian household and for my brothers for roughhousing with me um, to teach me to toughen up, um, teaching me this valuable lesson 18 years later. Uh, I'd like to thank um, you guys, the congregation, for helping out with, um, the, with the youth um, in any way that you have in the past or even today, whether um, you prayed for us, you um, have given money to us so that we can go on these amazing trips um, or providing snacks, anything you have done for us um, has made the world of a difference. And I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Kevin for uh, just keep, uh, teaching the youth the, to the full extent of the Bible, not leaving anything out, uh, and also for uh, giving us, giving Andrew and I a structure for how to build our sermon. Uh, if you would like to grab your copy of God's Word and flip to Matthew six uh, twenty-five through thirty-four, we will be there today. While you're flipping there, I'd like to give some background knowledge on uh, where where we are at. Matthew was a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, five, uh, Matthew 5 through 7 is uh, Jesus talking about Sermon on the Mount, and one key point that Jesus makes in preaching on the Sermon on the Mount was that God cares more about your eternity rather than just the temporary, the here and now. Another point that Jesus goes on to make is that God cares about your heart and what you actually feel, um, what you feel with your actions, not just the actions themselves. This demonstrates the main idea that while worry and anxiety are serious that every believer will face, through true reliance on God, we can overcome these said uh, trials. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, please. Matthew six twenty five through 34 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither soar nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek the first, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, if you would pray with me. Dear God, I just come before you right now, and I thank you for all the many things you have done for us. I pray that uh, we could all pull out an application of the sermon today, and we can apply it to our everyday life. I pray that you would be with us as we go throughout our week. In your name we pray. Amen. Before getting into the message today, I would like to talk about one particularly stressful day, June 6, 1944. This is whenever Allied forces um, got together and uh, went and um, launched a resistance against the German-occupied France to create a um, foothold. This today is known as D-Day, whenever over 100,000 infantry um, stormed the beaches of Normandy and were in these boats called LMCs, or Mike boats. These, bo- these boats were being pelted with bullets um, up on the beach by German uh, soldiers, and the infantry would have to get out of the boats whenever the gates dropped as fast as possible and get on the beach. Over 425,000 men either lost their lives or went missing that day, and 209,000 of those soldiers being allied. At some points on the coastline, entire companies were wiped out. A company usually consists of 100 to 250 men. It would not be hard to say that these events would have your heart beating out of your chest. I know it would for me. This is not a history lesson on D-Day, but I would like to talk about the stress and anxiety that we all face at one point in our life. Webster defines anxiety as a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. We may not be storming the beaches of Normandy, but we all face stress and anxiety to some level, to some degree. Some stressful situations can be how, we, um, how work is going, if it's going well or not, if we have um, projects coming up. We can uh, stress out about school, if, um, again, if we're in the uh, right classes, if we're um, going, if we're achieving what we want to for our career, if our, uh, we can stress out about our relationships and all that might entail. We, and for us high school seniors, we can stress out about where we're going to college. Is this the right college? Uh, will this um, be the best route for me? <clears throat> Even losing your hair can be quite nerve-wracking at times. <laughs> However, some more difficult, stressful situations would be having to bury a loved one, losing your job, all that might entail, or finding out that you or a loved one has a life-altering terminal diagnosis. The word worry comes from an old German word, to choke or to strangle. I remember in my middle school years that my mom would uh, ask my dad to make a wooden frame so that she could plant uh, her flowers in it. She would often volunteer me to help her with doing so. I had the luxury of doing so. Um, she would plant many different types of plants, and uh, often she would plant tomatoes, and whenever they would grow, she would be so happy to see them finally uh, grow fully. She would eat them right off the uh, vine right there. 
However, this, the plants didn't grow with just no trouble. There was always trouble involved. There were weeds and such. She would have to be out there every, other, every couple days and pull the weeds out of the ground, which I also got the luxury to help her with. The loss of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium leaves the plants weak to insect uh, infestation as well as disease infestation. This can, be, this, this can be related to how we deal with stress. We can put it in our lives and then not notice it until it starts to take hold of us. Stress can hurt our relationship with Christ even if we let it. The Billy Graham Association says, at its best, anxiety distracts. At its worst, it is a, uh, it is a d- disease and plunges our brain into darkness. These not, may not seem like a big issue, like mentioned before, but anxiety and stress are all emotions that we face today. While worry and anxiety is an emotion that everyone faces today, through true reliance on God, we can overcome these emotions. Therefore, this leads me to my first point, is that spiritual problems cannot be fixed through physical means. In Matthew 6.25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither soar nor, nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Jesus emphasizes the spiritual perspective that all Christians should have. The passage shows us that anxiety are essentially pointless, and they create a rift between our creator, God. We try to fix physical problems through many different means. We have a heart issue inside all of us, but instead of trying to solve the root problem, our heart, we will try to often put a brace on our arm uh, or a brace on our leg or something else that won't eventually, won't fix the problem. But we are to concern ourselves with heavenly things, as Matthew 6.28 says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Jesus is saying that we do not have to worry about clothing, but in a more general sense, the pressures of life in general. If we're not wearing the newest clothes, the best clothes, then we may be thinking, oh, well, I'm too poor to um, afford rich clothes and, you know, I don't look good or something. Flip side can be said about having expensive clothes. It's like, oh, am I showing off too much or something? In the text, Jesus compares our lives to the lilies. Despite not having the image of God, uh, their needs are met day in and day out every day. If we, we resemble the image of God, so why wouldn't we have our needs met day in and day out since he loves us that much more? We should not spend time stressing about, out about the future, as Jeremiah 29.11 says. Not the right chapter. Uh, Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God knows how your life will turn out, and we can find comfort and hope in the fact that God has already won the war. He has beaten sin by dying on the cross for us, so that we may live in him. This leads me to my first sub-point, sin combating sin. 
Pastor Matt Chandler said, we will pit this sin against this sin. So to fight this sin, we will pit, uh, we will pit this sin against this sin and hope that we will overcome sin. Confusing, right? Andrew explained this to me. This is saying people turn to many different things, including sin, to combat stress and anxiety. A relevant example today is the rising opioid addiction. Deaths from opioids have more than tripled since 1999, with an estimated 16,000 deaths owed to prescription opioids in 2013. Around one-third of all drug-related deaths stem from opioids, while 40% of all opioid deaths were from prescription drugs. When experiencing hardship, it is easy to turn to something else to relieve the, relieve the stress. We can turn to uh, working a lot to get our mind off it. We can turn to friends and try to put our hope and trust in them, which will ultimately fail. We'll try to gain enough money so that we can buy uh, new things and keep our minds distracted like that. We could also turn to alcohol addiction or, as mentioned before, drug addiction. You can't, in, in a spiritual sense, you can't fight fire with fire because essentially sin will still win. This leads me to my second subpoint, overindulgence. I remember whenever I was a kid, around Christmas time, my mom would make these really good cookies. And she would always say, you're not allowed to have any until after church on Christmas Eve, after the Christmas Eve service. However, me and my brothers did not always abide by this rule, and sometimes we would eat the cookies a little earlier. One night in particular, we went downstairs and uh, maybe cracked open a couple tins and went through them. This, the same can be taught about our spiritual life. There's nothing wrong in having our own hobbies. After all, God made us unique in his own image. But whenever we have our hobbies or, um, <clears throat> or uh, something uh, come, on, come above our relationship with Christ, that's when it becomes sinful. Verse 32 of our passage, Jesus says, For the pagans run after all these things. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. As he said early in the part of the sermon, he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and thieves break in and destroy and steal. As the old saying goes, you can't take it with you. It's applicable here. Like I said, it is easy, it's not bad for us to have hobbies. But whenever we put that above Christ, our walk with him, that's when it becomes sinful. In John 6.27, it says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. For the Son of Man will give you... For the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set a seal on him. Putting our focus on heavenly things is much more beneficial and important to us because all these earthly things are eventually going to pass away. The problem with stress and anxiety is that oftentimes we will try to fix it through physical means, which we cannot do. And our second point, we're going to be talking about what the solution to this is. And Andrew will be coming up to address that. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew Cook, and I go to J.M. Robinson High School. Um, I've had the amazing opportunity to grow up in a Christian home my whole life that has uh, just uh, 
taught me the gospel and the word of God to the full extent, and uh, also to grow up in a church that uh, unapologetically preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. I also wanted to say thank you for your support of our youth group. As Matthew mentioned, um, this past year I had the opportunity to go to Malawi, Africa, and this year I'll also be going to Baltimore, or excuse me, Delaware, and um, we, we couldn't do it without you. Uh, it's such an amazing opportunity, and um, I look forward to seeing what God will do through us there. Um, thank you, Matthew, for addressing the problem that spiritual means or spiritual issues cannot be fixed through physical means. Uh, now we will dive straight into the solution, which is that only faith and reliance on God will bring us joy in these times. Now read along with me verses 30 through 34 of Matthew 6. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus tells us in the final parts of this passage the importance of heavenly things over earthly things. He compares his children to the grass of the field, which God fully provides for. Christ does not limit these verses, however, to strictly food, water, water and clothing, but rather to worry itself, using these as illustrations. He doesn't simply give us this command, but he shows us how to live it out two chapters earlier in Matthew 4. Whenever Jesus was being tested by Satan in the wilderness, he responded, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He later says, Worship the Lord your God only and serve him. These statements give us hope in our often worrisome lives, and that in order to find joy in these times, we must devote ourselves to the study of God's word rather than using sin to fight sin or by seeking after temporary pleasures as mentioned in the first point. Hebrews describes the word of God as sharper than any two-edged sword, while Ephesians describes it as the sword of the spirit. The word of God is our primary offensive weapon against the crippling disease that is worry. Next we see Jesus said that we must put him first in all circumstances. This connects to verse 33 of the same chapter, which says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It also references the previous verses 19 through 21, which says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. I'd like to take a moment to tell you a personal story about this past December. Uh, Matthew and I were brainwashed into running a half marathon by the Edgerton family. (laughs) And and, uh, in case you didn't know, a half marathon is 13.1 miles, and Matthew and I don't really have a lot of experience running. Um, So we we agreed to go along with it, and... um, uh, Amelia and I made it through the first 10 miles uh, relatively easy, but on that 10th mile, I had a little bit more trouble motivating myself. Uh, my, my entire body started to ache. 
all of my energy was depleted. I basically had to like pick up my leg and go like this. Um, this is a um, illustration of our spiritual lives. Um, whenever things start to get hard, we start to say that. Uh, sorry. When, whenever things uh, get hard, we start to say it's too tough, or we start to say we need to take the easy road. Uh, this is temptation from the devil. Whenever, uh, whether our temptation may be anxiety, a sinful relationship, greed, or even being popular, uh, when, we would, when we want to give in or to take the easy road, we must keep our hearts and minds pointed towards God and rooted in his word as a defense against temptation. The half marathon was a good indicator to show us how to live a Christian life and how that pertains to our spiritual bodies. I had to remain focused on the finish line throughout, and although I've never experienced pain and hunger quite like I did during that race, by pushing through the temptation to stop and by relying fully on God, I received the joy in the end. As mentioned in the first point, temporary pleasures and hobbies cannot relieve our aching hearts because they are exactly what the phrase implies, temporary. These broken cisterns, as mentioned in Jeremiah 2.13, pale in comparison to the everlasting mercies of God that are new every morning. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Only by giving our fears, worries, and concerns to the Lord can we find peace in our often restless lives. In conclusion, we see that fear and anxiety are not uncommon to have in this life. Believer or unbeliever will experience these things. We will often try to fix a problem by going through any other means when we should go to Christ in the first place. We try to, we try to fix a sprained ankle with a sling on your arm, but that doesn't help the problem at hand. And although these are real issues, we can find joy if we surrender our anxiety to him and give him complete control of our lives. This brings us to our time of application and invitation. We will often put trust and faith in temporary things that will not sustain us. These can be alcohol or drugs, constant entertainment, a counselor or therapist, a relationship, hobby, school, or even religion. Anything can fit into this blank. Even things that by themselves are good can become sin if they are put ahead of Christ. The Bible shows us, however, that we have a Savior who understands our pains. In Luke 22:44, we see the amount of pressure that Jesus was under while he was on the cross. It says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his, sweats became, then his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. There's a God-shaped hole in all of our hearts that only Jesus can fit into. Everything else will fall short. And although it's easy to fall into the pit of fear and anxiety, we can see that we don't have to worry about these things because nature and all of the animal kingdom are fully provided by God daily. And the Bible says that we are more important to God than the animals. We can take comfort in this. Jesus said that because he loves and cares for us, he has already defeated sin. 
Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Christ Jesus. By his death on the cross, we no longer have to carry our sin, which means that the lies that the devil will put into our head are false and wrong. Hebrews 4 says, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. This shows that if a believer humbles himself and fully relies on God during the temptation and struggles that we often face, that the devil will flee from us. However, if you do not know Christ today, then you are lost in your sin. The Bible says we're all born into sin and that there's nothing we can personally do to get rid of it. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Without Christ, you are damned to hell, with separation from him for eternity. There is no action, no amount of good deed that you can do on your own to win the grace that God gives freely through Jesus. You are in your sin and you are on the broad path that leads to destruction. Ephesians 2, 2 through 2-5 says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among, among whom we also once all conducted ourselves according to the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. These verses show that if you're living in your own desires and passions of the flesh, then you are lost in your sin. However, the scripture does not end there. It says, but God. God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for our sins so that we might have a relationship with him. He died for all of us, rising again and conquering sin and death. If you do not know Christ today and if you have not repented of your sin to look and look to him for salvation, then you are lost. If you feel God pulling at your heart this morning, do not ignore it. Confess and turn away from your sins and follow Jesus. Nothing else can save you, nothing but his blood. Today, if you are in Christ... And if you have fully been born again, then feelings of worry and anxiety should no longer have dominion in your life. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Maybe today you have not been living for God. You've let the pressures of this world pull you away from him. And maybe today, as the invitation is given, you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. You can do so as you remain in your seat, or you can come here to the altar. Maybe you need to follow the example that it was set up by Christ in the scriptures. Despite experiencing more worry, pain, and anxiety than any human could possibly fathom, Jesus was obedient to the Father, placing that relationship above any temporary pleasure or satisfaction that this world could offer. 
So do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you committed your life to him? Are you experiencing anxiety and hardship this morning? If you are, give it to God. Thank you.